Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, I am Michael Sherlock, your host. And today, as all this month, we are working on the incredible feat of saying yes to a new year and yes to being flexible no matter what happens. Because we all know that we had great ideas going into 2020 and we're going to just be prepared for anything. <laughs> and my guest today is Tim Spiker, and he is the author of The Only Leaders Worth Following which that alone tells you, you know, this is going to be something near and dear to my heart. And he's been passionately investigating leadership effectiveness for the past more than two decades. Don't try and do the math and figure out how old he is, because I probably have more zeros behind him than he does. But he and his organization, the Aperio, help people become, be, and stay leaders who are actually worth following. And, you know, I've had a few, uh, you know, my live streams where I've talked about what do you do when you work for a jerk? So this is going to be really fun. And he has worked with teams across the globe, creating unique and customized learning experiences and guiding long-term developmental journeys. And that's what leadership is really all about, is making sure you're constantly working on yourself. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Michael, really excited to be here with you and with the folks that are listening. Yeah, I have such a great audience and they are constantly working on themselves. And a vast majority of my followers are leaders, a lot of them in retail sales. They've gone through a lot of fluctuations. Oh. And we know leadership is different today, too, you know, with so much happening remotely. So I know everybody's going to gain a lot. So I gave the highlights from your bio, but tell us a little bit about you, your business, and how you help people to shock their potential. Sure. Well, thanks. About 20 years ago, I was waiting tables, uh, getting ready to start my graduate business studies. And I had a colleague, AKA another server at the restaurant, <laughs> who <laughs> invited me to an open house for a marketing company. Hmm. Now, Michael, if you are ever invited to an open house for a marketing company or anybody listening, I encourage you to ask more questions than I did. Does this have to do with like Cutco knives? <laughs> You, you're a fortune teller. You see where this is heading right away. Very good. Yeah. So I, what I, what I was pretty sure of, I, I knew I was going to be uh, focusing on marketing in my business studies. And so I was interested in that regard. I was also pretty sure there would be a free meal there. And that was very appealing at the time. So yes. you know, you, she, she had me. So I walked into the room, I took a seat in the middle of the room, which turns out to be an important part of the story. And they begin a little presentation which turned out to be a recruiting meeting for a marketing company. Now, <laughs> I'm not against MLMs. I know they have been a blessing to a lot of people, but I personally at the time had no interest in selling water purifiers to my family and friends. So I so wasn't that excited about being there. But in the middle of that 
presentation because I chose, I don't I'm not going to make a scene. I'll just wait to the break and then I'll grab my sandwich and get out. Um, in the, in the middle of that initial presentation, they started talking about what does it mean to be an employee? Mm. And it was as if all evil of all time just entered the room. It was just people were so disheartened at the idea of actually following somebody. And mm. I just checked out. I didn't hear anything else. I mean, it became Charlie Brown's teacher to the rest of the presentation. I was just sitting there. <laughs> exactly. That, yep. <laughs> Um, just thinking it doesn't have to be that way. How come if somebody says, what is it like to follow so-and-so? How come the answer wouldn't be, it's the most incredible experience of my life. I can't believe how much I'm being stretched and grown. I can't believe the thing I'm pushing. I can't believe how I'm cared for. How come that's not the answer when somebody says, what is it like to follow somebody? So that night I did leave with a break and grab my sandwich. I did, I did do that. <laughs> Um, but I decided that night that I was going to start interviewing leaders that I had access to. And every time I would interview them, I would say the same thing at the end. Who else should I talk to? And that Ooh. just led to a kind of huge anecdotal qualitative leadership study and, and eventually the leadership consultancy, getting involved in, in research. Then over the course of time, the, the last 20 years of my life have been dedicated and focused on the topic of leadership. So that's story about how I got into this work. That is so funny. Um, and so my question is, did your friend who got you into that marketing presentation, did she uh, go into that business? <laughs> no, she was already in the business. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> she was waiting oh. tables, but that was kind of like, you know, trying to get the MLM thing to take off on the side. So she was already there and thought that the, maybe I would be interested, but she didn't know what that night would hold for me. I, I, I tell some people it's the greatest lie I've ever been told. It's, it's led me on a journey that I have absolutely, I love the work that I do. If I, you know, if we didn't have to worry about finances, there'd be very little about uh, my vocation that I would change. So I'm very, very thankful that I got duped into being in that meeting that night. <laughs> and I can see that happening too, because um, I actually have been involved in MLMs uh, a couple times and not because of the business, but because of whatever the product was. And uh, one was one was a health supplement that I got hooked on myself and had such like amazing just, you know, responses to it that, you know, people are like, what's happened? And I'm like, well, I started drinking this stuff. They're like, how do I get it? I'm like, here, order it from here. You want to sell it too? Okay, cool. And, and my whole goal was that if I had enough people that were excited about it, then I didn't have to pay for my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's a good, that's a, that's a good goal to have. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Covers, the cost. Covers the cost. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I didn't ever see it as my long-term objective because it was too much work. <laughs> it is. Yep. It is a, it is a challenging, challenging uh, industry to be in overall. Yes. So when you um, worked with, one of the things that really, uh, struck my um, interest with your bio is that you create these unique experiences and you're taking people on, you know, developmental journeys. What do you do with them? Well, to tell that story, another story to lead into it. So why, you know, why is the journey as it were, why is it even necessary? When I was at a small boutique consulting firm, we had data from a number of different assessments as we would take our, our leaders up to the west side of Pikes Peak and do some different leadership activities. 
And they were regularly asking us, what is the magic combination of personality and natural that leads to or gives a better chance of a more effective leader? And so we had the data and my colleague, Vanessa Kiley, she took all the she took all the numbers. She was our number cruncher and she put it through the SPSS software to look for correlations so that we could come back with an answer. So she put the software through its paces and she found she found nothing. There was no correlation. There was no. I was going to say yes. I'm waiting. I love yeah. how you just put that in the suspense, and then the the it's like the cliff is right there, and they were yeah. like, ah. Oh. We were expecting her to find correlations between personality styles, natural abilities, and leadership performance, but she didn't find any. And I remember that night, I turned to leave her office, and I thought, well, at least we have an answer. We get this question a lot from our clients, so we can say, hey, there's no, there's no special formula. But she stopped me. She said, but the software did find a correlation in a place that we weren't with. I'm like, turned around, I'm like, okay. <laughs> tell me, tell me what we found. We had eight aspects of leadership that we were measuring on our leadership 360. And what the software found is that just two of the eight areas were driving almost 70% of the variability on the assessment. And if you think about a pizza, if you split it into eight equal pieces, any two pieces should be worth 25%. So we were right. just under 70%. And then years later, with 10 times the data points, she ran the analysis again and it had gone up to 77%. And so what that wow. told us, it took us a while to, we were like stepping back from it. Sometimes things are really obvious. You don't see them for a while. We knew it was a big deal, but we weren't quite sure what to make of it. And as the years passed, literally it was three years later, I'd actually left the firm and I was sitting in my office one day thinking about this data and this research, and it's just like it landed on top of my head. I'm looking mm -hmm. at those eight areas, and there are those two, those two that are creating three quarters of the value. They're more important than the other six combined by three times. And then it, I just realized when you look at those two, those two aspects were about who the leader is as a person as opposed mm -hmm. to what they do as leaders. And so over time, we've just morphed that into a very simple phrase, which is three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are and you do. And so getting back to the original question, why a journey? Uh, we take people on, a, and this is, a, this is a metaphorical journey, this is not an actual trip, but we walk with people for an extended period of time around the leadership development exercise. And we call it a journey because it takes time for us to grow and develop as people. That's, I mean, you know, look at a mm -hmm. big oak tree, which is the analogy that we use with our clients. How long did it take that tree to become what it is? It, it took a lifetime. And so we take, we take a really, really dive in with people. One of the things that we're keen on doing as much as possible is it's great for people to have education. It's great for them to understand concepts. But we, what we are more interested in as an organization is helping them become. And that takes a really concerted effort. And so we go on this journey uh, with our clients to help them become really well-developed who's uh, because that's going to help them be more effective leaders. Yeah, and I think that's really, it's very telling. And, and it's one of the things that, you know, I work in leadership as well. And, you know, I'm always talking to people about, you know, the mirror and reflecting on yourself. And, and that reflection is going to change over time. So mm -hmm. who you are as a leader today um, may have a lot of similarities to who you were 10 years ago or where you'll be, be 10 years from now. But 
there are going to be a lot of, of changes. So the ability to continually reflect means you're watching and you understand them, but that you're also going to say, hey, wait, I'm starting to lose a little something here, and, or there's something more I can gain now and put you should prompt you to continue to work on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that idea of you're, you're, we're, we're singing off the same sheet of paper as, paper as we think about the idea of what does it mean to, to look in the mirror? Uh, it's a tough thing mm -hmm. to do, but it's so, so important to do all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you work with people, you know, from, I know I've had some great success stories, which I really love, but when you work with people and you see them take that journey and really evolve and become mm -hmm. to your point who, who they want to be, as a leader, what kind of, you know, results do you get from that? What kind of impact do they have then? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's anecdotal stories and then there's some data. So I'll, I'll tell you one, one from each camp, which do you want first? The anecdotal story or the data? Data. You get to pick. <laughs> I don't know, data, just because okay. then we get the story afterwards. Okay. Then All I right. have to have a little bit of gratification. Okay, very good. Um, there was an organization that works in a manufacturing space that was, a, just to give a little scope, it's about a billion dollar organization. So they have a, depending on your audience perspective, maybe that's huge, maybe that's small, but that was this, the scope we were working with in, a, in an international organization. And when we first started working with them around this topic, they, it was, it, I was very fortunate because they started working with McKinsey at the exact same time. And so McKinsey has something called the Organizational Health Index. And it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a worldwide war on, and, and McKinsey talks a lot about kind of how health in organizations drives performance. And so they took their first assessment right when we were starting with them. And unfortunately, they tested out in the bottom quartile. And so you can imagine that they were not very excited about that. But as we worked with them over the next five years about developing the who of their leaders, we're talking about, in some cases, very personal things. We're talking about what does it mean to be inwardly sound and others focused? And we break that down into a number of components. So it's kind of like, you know, the old classic story of eating an elephant. You can only do it a bite at a time. So we take those things and bring them. But the course of five years working with their senior executive team, uh, the next layer down in the organization and doing some work with their frontline leaders as well, they're, they're being retested every two years by McKinsey. Now, as they worked on who they are, five, fast forward five years later, they test again and they land in the top quartile of organizational health index with McKinsey. They made a 22% jump during those five years. Now, I am not wow. saying that them working with us was solely, they were doing many things during that time to improve that. But their seniors to a person came to us and said, focusing on becoming a better who has been a meaningful part of this journey for us and has made a big contribution. The bigger part of that story is not really not what we did. It's the fact that they were willing to do the work on very yeah. personal stuff. You know, not many organizations are willing to have the real conversation that you need to have. So if I'm saying to somebody, hey, you know, I know you don't want to, but you're, you're like, your empathy meter is broken. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's a hard message to hear, but we got to talk about this because it's disconnecting you from your people and they don't, they're not that excited about working for you. Who's going to be willing to be in that conversation? And so to find an entire organization with leadership who's saying, we want to be having that conversation throughout the organization. We, and then we want to do the hard work in those areas as well. And so all credit to them 
to being willing to dig in and talk about things, especially in the for-profit space where most organizations are not willing to have those conversations. So, so credit to them, but that's some data to kind of show what happens, what can happen if you're willing to dig in and, and work on who. So that's the data. That's, that's a data story. Now here's the anecdote. Right. In another division of that company, there was a, a senior leader at the, in the top executive team who came to us about 18 months into this work. And he was just a very simple story, but I think it really, it really makes the case. And he had worked hard. He had, getting back to where does the credit go? He had been willing to do the work, to have the personal conversations with himself, with us, with others, doing that consistently over 18 months. He had somebody come to him after 18 months and said, 18 months ago, I was ready to leave this organization and it was because of you. Oh. Now I'm staying here and it's because of you. Oh. And so, you know, I think about stories like this and, and, you know, the number one question we get is not, we don't get a lot of pushback on whether this data is real, is who, not what, a real phenomenon. Where we do get questions is, is it even possible for a grown adult to grow and develop in who they are, at the core of who they are? Is that even possible? And I'll say it's pretty unlikely that somebody's going to move 180 degrees. But right. can we get better even later in life? Some people think it's not possible. Actually, research shows that it is very possible. It's just hard work. <laughs> and so I work. think you got to yeah. make the mental, you know, the mental shift to do it. You've yeah. got to so say, I'm willing to do it. Yeah. I think about both of these stories, both this anecdotal story and the data story, because almost all of the leaders, in fact, I would say, if I'm estimating credit, I'd say every single leader that we worked with in this organization, there might have been percent that were under the age of 30. Most of them were north of 40 and some north of 50. And so if you look at the number movement or even that story example, you have to conclude, yeah, it is possible for people to grow and develop in, in who they are. They just have to be willing to do the work. Right. And I always say to people, you know, just, just because something may not seem probable to you doesn't mean it's not possible. Yeah. But if you let the probable stop you from moving forward, it will never be possible. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's true. There, there is an element. There's an element of, of, uh, of trust and work that go into it in order to make it possible. But what we know for sure is if you don't try, we know that it won't work out. <laughs> we know that for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's so true. And I think of a lot of times with, when I'm talking to leaders who are wanting their team to change. And so, you know, I need these people to do better. I need them to, you know, come with more at, you know, attitude or, you know, I need them to keep learning, whatever, whatever they, I need them to do. Mm -hmm. And I love turning it back on them and saying, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing to develop yourself? You know, what do you need to change? If they, and so I, I always ask them, you know, what do those people say about you when you're not in the room? What Great. words do they use to describe you? And what words, and if you don't know, well, then you're really out of touch because you're missing something, but you probably do know what they're saying. Hmm. Now, the question is, are the, those the words you want used about you? And if you don't know at all, you have a lot more work to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I love that you asked that question. I was in a conversation yesterday with with, with somebody who works in uh, in fractional HR in terms of they're working with uh, mid to small size businesses and helping them have those services. She's talking about her clients who have a significant turnover issue 
And like, look, these people, they keep leaving. And finally, she just, she used a great analogy. She said, you know, the person who is constantly, you know, wants to be in a relationship, but is constantly dating and then moving on to the next person. It doesn't work out, doesn't work, doesn't work out. And everybody's like nodding their head saying, yeah, we know, we know that person. She's like, you're that person. You're, you're, <laughs> the, 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 the people are leaving the organization uh, you you make that personally a little bit more. Instead of blaming them for leaving, we got to start to ask the question: What is the culture and leadership that they continuously leave? And and uh, I exactly. love that you put it to them. And like, like, here's the mirror, guys. If everybody's leaving all the time, we should probably stop blaming everybody else. So just just to your point, like, what are you doing? It. What are they saying about you? What are you doing? It's not just what everybody else should be doing. What are you willing to do? Yeah, yeah. What's the common denominator in that story? Who's <laughs> right. always involved in all of those in all of that situations or high turnover or bad relationships? Yeah, yeah. I um, I have a, a a funny little you know tidbit about a company that I worked for once upon a time long ago, and uh, it was before you know you really knew how to research companies. You know there was there wasn't the glass door then, and there you know weren't a lot of Yelp reviews or whatever. People weren't writing on Indeed how they felt about a company, and uh, so it was interesting that um, th this company had a lot of turnover, a lot of turnover, and I had no idea until I got there. And had I known, would that have changed my mind? I don't know. I mean, it was a great, there were a lot of great benefits for me working at that company. Um, not all positive, but, uh, you know, not all negative. Um, but it was interesting to me when I, after I left, I think I'd been gone for several years and I saw something online. I didn't, hadn't looked for them. It was just something that popped up and it talked about their, um, uh, not attrition rate, but their, uh, whatever, when people stay, um, like the average months per stay of, of a person's employment there. And it was seven months. Oh, and I went, wow. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that's that shocking is, to me. That's, that's, speaking of shocking. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's shocking. Yeah, wow. That is, that is not, a, not. And it made me wonder, you know, I mean, that I, I think it's, there are a lot of businesses that don't stop and think about that. And, and we all know that people leave situations, not because of, really the company, but because of leadership or, you know, the environment that comes from leadership and, you know, the ability for any of us as leaders to kind of peel back the curtain on ourselves and ask mm -hmm. ourselves, I mean, even if we're, you know, you can be a great leader, but if you're also um, surrounded next door or the person who works for you or whatever with somebody who's, who's creating a different kind of environment, it takes a lot of guts to try and change those situations too. And not everybody is, is, um, and everybody's up to that challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah. We hope that you are enjoying this episode of Shock Your Potential. We're going to take a moment now to hear from our sponsor. Have you ever considered hiring a virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Let Kukua Biz help. Kukua Biz matches talented professionals from Kenya with small businesses around the globe. Affordable weekly rates allow you to have a dedicated full-time staff member to help you with anything from administrative tasks, social media management, public relations, and more. Go to kukuabiz.com today for more information or email info at kukuabiz.com. Kukuabiz, that's K-U-K-U-A-B-I-Z dot com. 
So, you know, this year, um, or at least this month, I'm trying to get all of my listeners to, you know, really think about ways that they can remain flexible and, you know, taking a look at themselves. I think this really falls into play, not just being, you know, you as a leader throughout the year, but really learning, you know, figuring out how to embrace flexibility this year and self-reflection and kind of mental preparation, which I think goes along with a lot of your topic. And because we can have all the goals we want to for 2021, but uh, we don't know what might show up this year. If anything 2020 has taught us is, uh, yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. It's kind of like that joke that says, you want to make God laugh, tell him you've got a plan. Exactly. Um, Exactly. So do you have any uh, good tips on how people can kind of maintain some mental flexibility this year? You know, I I would say that, and it, and it and it goes a little bit deep, but hey, your your audience can handle this. Uh, so let's they can handle it. Yeah, let's let's go to a place that's going to require a little bit more of them than maybe just a little bitty tweak, maybe a little bit more, and that is humility. You know, I would just say we we make plans, and it's and it's great that we make plans. We we should make plans. I mean. Think about a budget or your calendar. I, I think what I can say for sure, whether it's in my business, my personal, what the budget tells me, it almost never gets followed to the T, but it tells me the adjustments I have to make when it doesn't get followed to a T. So I'm okay, mm-hmm. I took some from here, I'm going to have to find that somewhere else. So it is very important to have plans because it helps us understand where we are. But I think, especially in the business space, life, It's even if it's a not-for-profit. I think we have to be careful about um, how wedded we become to those plans from an ego standpoint. Um, yes, it's important that we have some stick to and we don't crumble at the sign of a challenge, but there is the other side to it where we have to be humble enough to say, maybe I didn't make the best plan, or maybe my plan's not going to work out in this environment. Maybe we need to make adjustment. Maybe even, and I'll just throw this out here as a possibility, Michael, maybe somebody else has a better idea right now than I do. I, I know, I know it's a shocking idea to consider, but maybe maybe somebody else's idea is the one we need to go with now. So in the idea of having healthy flexibility as we go into 2021, regardless of what it might throw at us, goodness, I hope it's not just 2020, but regardless, if we enter into it with a spirit of humility that says from the get-go, I'm going to do the best I can. I am going to make plans, but I might not have this all figured out. And I need to be open to that. And I need to be open to other people. I need to make sure that my ego doesn't lead myself or others into worse situations because I'm unwilling to look at what's going on around me or listen to other people. So really committing to a spirit and attitude of humility, I think, is a great way to make yourself flexible to handle whatever might get thrown your way. I, I don't know if that was too deep, but that was very wise. And if I was in my normal home office, I would refer to who I usually have in the back as Yoga Dog, my little uh, my little statue, and say Yoga Dog agrees. <laughs> I, and I love how you said I love how you said healthy flexibility because it's you know that is that's part of the process is that reflection and and you know I like the idea of letting go of your ego a little bit. I have to do it every once in a while myself, so it's a good yeah. reminder as you. I'm like, have you, have you been listening to my brain? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to bring all the people into the interview who could tell you about mine. So, you know, they're out there. We'll just, we'll just say they're out there. Okay. All right. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Tim, this has, been, 
This has been fabulous. I know we'll have all of your um, contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to type in right now and find you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Sure. Best way to find us is at the, T-H-E, onlyleaders.com, theonlyleaders.com. And if you go there, you'll we're getting ready to put a discussion out, a discussion and study guide out to go along with the book. So that'll be something that we offer for free to people who sign up for our email list. And also something that we want to do for your, your listeners is we have a promo code there. And if you put in the word shock, if you put in the word shock to the promo code, we're starting okay. new journey groups in 2021. So if somebody put in the word shock and then ended up joining us for a journey group in 2021, we'll give them $500 off. Just thank you for getting to be a part of your podcast. Excellent. That sounds wonderful. We'll put that in all the show notes as well. Great. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, I'm I'm going to double down on something you said earlier, and it's come up a couple of times. So we can we can uh, we can hold hands and agree on this one. <laughs> it is important to look in the mirror. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It's you know, for some of us, it's scary if we're not practiced at that. When you know, when you know what hits the fan, it, we we usually have the inclination to look out what's the problem over there? What's the problem with you? And if that's not our first thought, it's our most consistent thought, you know, somewhere between first and most we're looking out. And I just, I just find that the, the best leaders in the world are the ones whose first reaction is to say, what could I have done differently? Doesn't mean that you're a hundred percent, maybe you're 2% responsible, you know, maybe you're not, but, but in the mirror to own your 2% or, or maybe you're 98, depending on what the, might be. So you, you've mentioned this idea a number of times, even as we've been talking today. And I just I just want to support you in that and reiterate that that if you're willing to uh, if you're willing to look in the mirror, I mean there's two things to that. One is is that it's hard to do and it can be a little depressing when we see sometimes we're not contributing as well as we could have. But the good news mm -hmm. is when when I'm looking in the mirror, when, when I'm seeing my part of the problem, now I have some control to do something about it. Otherwise, if it's just everybody else, it'd be like, well, I'm, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. A victim. In the right. mirror, again, get back to the, I can humble myself a little bit, understand that I've made a contribution to the challenges or problems, and now I can do something about it. So the, the, the last word, if you will, I would say is, is have the courage to, to look in the mirror and own what you see, both good and not so good. I love it. Tim, thank you so much. Great words of advice without a doubt. And I am so glad we are connected. Thank you for being my guest today. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.